Hi, this is Chris Lato of the Chris Lato YouTube channel, retired F-16 pilot turned UAP investigator, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. MUFON series with Michigan State Director Bill Konkoleski. Episode 66 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast live edition. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast, where we explore the unexplained and mysterious phenomena that have occurred throughout the state of Michigan and beyond. From UFO sightings to ghostly encounters, we delve deep into the stories, the evidence, and the theories behind these strange events. We are your hosts. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wayne. We are an educator duo that after an encounter with a triangular UFO in 2018 in Michigan, we decided to investigate UFOs and the paranormal. In this podcast, we will be speaking with eyewitnesses, experts, and researchers to uncover the truth about some of the most intriguing cases of paranormal activity in and around Michigan. Our goal is not to convince anyone of the existence of these phenomena, but rather to provide a platform for discussion and exploration. So, buckle up and join us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. On an escalator. All right, and we are live. Welcome, everyone, to another live edition of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast, live edition. Today is the 9th of September, 2023. Hey, Michelle, it's 9-9. Hey. And it's time to settle in on this Saturday evening as we get ready to bring on our guest for this evening, the Michigan State Director of MUFON, Bill Konkoleski. Before we bring Bill on, I want to bring on my lovely wife and co-host. There she is, Michelle. Hello, everyone. Yeah, we see we got a very lively chat going on, and we have some great people out there. So uh, we're going to say our hellos to you soon. But for those of you listening to this at a later date on your favorite podcasting platform, you can catch the show live and participate in the live chat. We currently stream on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. We have some of the best live chats on this topic around, so come on in and enjoy the live show. After the airing of this live stream, we will be releasing this on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Audible, and many others. Well, we've got to give a quick hello to the folks in the chat that have joined us this evening. Um, we have Diane out there somewhere, Diane B. Uh, we've got Straw Dog. We've got Danny Statton. We've got Mike J, Guy Merritt. Uh, let's see, who else? We've got Lisa. Lisa's listening tonight. So, and I'm sure that uh, some others are going to creep on in. 
of course as the night goes on <laughs> yep and uh what else do we got michelle that you want to uh let people know about i don't know wayne Give it's me right there <laughs> <laughs> in the list right under the hellos oh <laughs> very very funny um so i just wanted to say that this live show and podcast happens because of you you everybody will notice my little tagline under my my name um i'm wondering what sleep is i'm very sleep deprived right now so but because of you the viewers and listeners of the show the amazing support if you want to help support the podcast the links are below in the show description with our paypal our patreon link tree will take you to all other ways and now we can accept super chats and super stickers during the live shows so Absolutely. youtube is playing nicely with us you can also become a member on youtube as well but one of the best ways you can always support the show is to like share and subscribe absolutely absolutely the more subscribers and support that we have the more incredible content and folks we can bring on and it seems like right after we hit that thousand like supporter number uh, the algorithm kind of started passing us out a little bit more and we ended up with an extra few hundred uh, subscribers. So I know it, it's crazy how yeah. the little number portals open up with YouTube. Yep. And uh, we also need to give a couple of shout outs to our Patreon members. We got Tabin R, Hava H and Lisa B. Thank you guys for being Patreon members. We really appreciate you very much. But we also have to give a special thanks to our very first YouTube member, Diane Boss. So Diane is the boss. So thank you very much, Diane, for your continued support. And all of you, thank you for your support. So we're really happy that uh, you have decided to join us tonight. Mm -hmm. So uh, something else that happened that was really cool recently was we were, and I want to give a special uh, shout out. And thank you to our good friend, Micah Hanks of the Micah Hanks program. Uh, I was fortunate enough in the summertime in June to meet Micah in person at the 2023 Cosmic Summit with Randall Carlson and all those fine people there and was able to talk to Micah for a couple hours. And it, time went by like nobody's business as we chatted for a long time during the night. And I was able to tell him about our encounter and experience in 2018 here in Southeast Michigan. And it wasn't, but just a couple weeks ago, he reached out and um, invited us on his program. So if you want to hear that interview that we did, um, go ahead and hit the links down in the show description and you will see a link to the Micah Hanks program and the uh show that we did with him was called incident at ford road so yeah all we can say is that episode is getting some special attention and that's all we can say uh yeah um well we can say a little bit more uh, you say i'm not gonna say it you know what uh, maybe i shouldn't say it but a, a certain a certain person with the last name Mellon has taken interest in our case and I'll just leave it at that. So <laughs> I'll let everybody else do just the, leaked a lot more research. than I was going yeah. to. All right. I say, let's go ahead and get on with this show and bring our guest on for tonight. What do you think, Michelle? Are you ready? I think the audience is I, ready. Absolutely. We've had chat going since I think this afternoon. Yeah. It, it's been people talking already before. Mm -hmm. 
like hours before we even started the show, which well, is I think it was first. one of those chat groups that Messenger creates mm -hmm. after a post goes through because I've seen that in some groups that I'm, you know, I'm in and yeah, seems one took place all kinds of don't know how that group actually got started on facebook or the group chat for this show on facebook got started but i'm going to tell you i'm glad that it did we got some good stuff out of because it because somebody sent us some great photos and a couple of videos of a uap they captured outside the window of their house and i want to show them to bill so this could be a great topic of conversation and the person also told us that they have not um put in a MUFON report. So maybe Bill later can talk about how you go about doing that. Um, so anyways, let's get on with this. Well, so, hang tight. We've got to say hello to Janine and Tabin uh, who have joined us tonight. Yeah. And chat. Yeah. We're glad you guys are here. But over the years, there have been many organizations that have existed for the investigation of UFOs, especially in the U.S. government. So we have Project Blue Book, we've had Project Sign, Project Grudge, the Condent Committee, and even more recently, we've had the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, also known as ATIP, and now we have the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or ARO, and even NASA is getting into the picture with NASA's UAP Independent Study Team. With all that said, there has been an organization, a civilian organization, that since 1969 has been investigating UFOs for over 50 years, and that organization is MUFON. And tonight we have with us live the Michigan State Director of MUFON and author of Experiencer 1 and Experiencer 2, Bill Konkoleski. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, welcome, man. We are so glad to have you back on the show to chat with us. And uh, man, this is perfect for the month of MUFON. <laughs> so we're doing a series because we're going to have uh, one of your colleagues on later this month. Um, but for those of the people out there who are new listeners that just come on to the YouTube channel and watch the show and maybe don't follow the previous episodes that we've done with our audio podcast. Can you give us a little bit of background on yourself and how you came to be the state director of the Michigan MUFON chapter? Okay. Um, so I have had uh, several unusual experiences through my lifetime and some of them, many of them UFO related one particular UFO event that happened to me and a couple buddies back in 1989 when we were high school seniors uh, was what actually brought me to MUFON. We were in his Chevette, uh, the three of us. We were waiting for another friend to get uh, home from work. This is in Sterling Heights, Michigan. It's about 9 p.m. February. It's dark. And as we're sitting there in the car at about the height of two telephone poles, this bright blue light slowly drifts over our car. The light itself is about the size of a car, and it just slowly moves over the car. And then when that disappears, a white light comes and zips all over the entirety of the sky. And then that disappears, and then a red light appears in the middle of the sky, grows to the size of the full moon, which is quite large, 
and then shrinks again and disappears. And so we're sitting there and wondering what to do. One of my friends says, maybe we should tell the police. Like, okay, we're high school seniors, you know, out, you know, let's tell the police we saw a UFO and see where that gets us. <laughs> and, then, and then the other friend says, let's tell it to Selfridge Air National Guard Base, which wasn't that many miles away. And I'm like, wait a second, you're not going to tell the police, but you're going to tell the military? So we didn't know who to tell. And a few years later, um, recounting what happened to a friend of mine in college, she said, hey, did you know that there's a place in Chicago called the Center for UFO Studies? They would probably like to hear your story. So on a trip to Chicago, not long after, I stopped in and saw uh, Dr. Mark Rodiger, and I told him my story. And he's like, that's great. Did you tell your state MUFON chapter? And I'm like, MUFON, what's that? And so he gave me the contact information of the state director at the time, Shirley Coyne. Uh, this was 1993. So I went back to Michigan, contacted her, told her about this particular sighting, told her about other things I saw. Uh, she was very receptive and uh, we got along quite well. And um, I joined in 93, I joined MUFON in 93. And so it's been 30 years I've been with MUFON and uh, I've been state director since 2004. So just about 20 years as state director and so, yeah, I've been all in on, on, on MUFON for, for quite some time. And, and MUFON, um, thanks for uh, saying nice things about the organization. A um, couple other things important besides that we've been around since 1969 is there currently are over 5,000 paying members in the organization. And um, we are in over 40 countries. Oh, fantastic. I, I did not know about the 40 countries thing. I figured there was probably a few, but man, 40, that's great. Yeah. Well, and, uh, one more, just a little thing sure. too, which is kind of exciting is that, of course, what, what MUFON is about is people report UFO sightings to us and we investigate them. And we also, of course, train UFO field investigators. Since 2010, we've had uh, our most recent edition of our database. And since that 2010, startup of the, our most recent database, MUFON internationally has collected over 100,000 unique UFO sightings. And these aren't ones that we just cherry pick off the internet or something like that. Every single one of those sighting reports represents somebody coming to us and making their report. Um, Michigan gets about on average about 200 sightings a year, but internationally since 2010, that's how much MUFON has taken in. Well, one of our very first guests on our show back in 2021 and now good friend Guy Merritt says, Shirley came to my house. So I take it when he had his experience in 94, he actually <laughs> had Shirley at his house and uh, deal with his uh, encounter, which was crazy. And people go check out our episode number four if you want to know what happened with Guy. And uh, he's been on many other shows of ours, but that was the first one and it always uh it always like rips the heart out of me listening to that story it's uh very shocking and uh envision i, I guess uh eye opening is what i would want to mm -hmm. say because of what happened with me and michelle so 
Uh, all right, Michelle had something. Well, here. we have a, a friend and a loyal viewer that would like to know what the qualifications are to become an investigator for MUFON. Okay, so you have to be, there's the state level organization and then there's the international level organization. You have to be a member of international, uh, which requires uh, a paid membership. There's several different levels for that. But once you do become a member, then there is field investigator training. This can be done either online. We have something called MUFON University. It's its own website full of, of UFO investigator training. And then we also, as an alternative, have a physical book um, for field investigator training. You make your way through the training material, um, take a, a, an exam, and if you score well enough, um, then you become qualified to become an investigator. And whatever state or province or country you're in, um, the people that are the, the uh, chief at the chief investigator level will then select investigators maybe based on geography or other factors on who would follow up with an investigation. And, and that's how that works. Okay. Most excellent. Now, how much does it normally cost to become a member? Do you know the, the different levels um, to join MUFON? Okay. So as uh, um, the short answer is no, um, there are different levels and they do change periodically. Okay. And so I don't want to say something and have somebody say, what the heck? They just went up $10. <laughs> now, as, as a state director, um, my membership is fee is waived. It's, I mean, we don't get paid, but you know, by no means. And uh, you know, it's one of the small perks we have. So uh, I'm not sure offhand. I don't want to be like that story where um, uh a certain politician running for president no didn't know what the price of bread was and everyone got on their case yeah i just yeah don't, i just don't know what oh, the that's price fine um anita in chat says i'm taking mufon investigator training right now i re recommend doing it online with mufon university that's excellent so uh well done keep going get it done <laughs> all right let's see now, something big just recently happened with MUFON, and you guys wrapped up your 2023 symposium. Can you give us some highlights as to what went down there and any takeaways um, for this year? Okay, so interestingly, um, I did not attend the symposium, although it was in Cincinnati. Uh, it was just a few hours' drive from me. Um, prior to uh, MUFON planting a flag on whatever date they were going to have their symposium this year. I'd already been invited to speak at the Michigan Paranormal Convention up in Sault Ste. Marie. So I attended Michigan Paracon. Um, and part of the what made me feel justified in the value of that is at a MUFON convention, uh, I'm a MUFON guy amongst many other MUFON people at this conference. But at the Michigan Paracon, I am the UFO guy. I am the one speaking, spreading the word about the organization, about the phenomena. And I felt I was able to do a lot more good speaking at a group of open-minded people that may not necessarily be part of the organization rather than just being embedded, rubbing shoulders with other people. 
uh, within the same organization. Okay. Well, what, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, the Michigan Paracon. How'd that go? Oh, it's always phenomenal. It is a, it is a great big deal. Um, a lot of fun and it continues to grow in size. Um, the, yeah, the, the, the scope of the presenters across, um, the spirit world, uh, cryptid hunters, just all sorts of, you know, it's a, it's a big umbrella for all things, uh, paranormal. And so it, it, it's great because, you know, me siloed somewhat in the UFO phenomena. I get to hear some of the great speakers that are doing uh, really good work in some of the other areas too. Yeah. Um, Michelle, I don't know. Uh, do you think this one might be a good time for us to read the latest, uh, email we received from a listener that has a story i figured this would be good to share with bill oh absolutely yeah so bill we get emails and stuff all the time with people sharing their stories and and then recently some photos and videos here that when you talked about your experience i think you're gonna see some similarities um that you had years ago in sterling heights to what a listener sent us, which this is again, just by happenstance that this was sent to us today. But here's a story from somebody. Um, he sent this to us a few days ago and Michelle is going to take yeah, it over was here right after he had listened to the Micah Hanks interview. So this is what we had received. It says it was the weekend of the youth hunt in September of 2019 here in Gladwin County, actually just about six miles east of Beaverton. My daughter and I were sitting on a bean field facing the west. As the sun was coming up from behind us, I was watching the stars disappear in the west as it was a clear sky. I noticed this bright white light coming towards us from the northwest. It was not very high. I would say only a couple hundred feet from the ground. It moved very slowly as it came over the field. There was no noise. It finally gets over the field, maybe 100 yards from us, and it stops and just hovers in the position for maybe two minutes. Then it slowly goes down closer to the ground and then shoots back up fairly quickly. Still no sound, and I can't make out a shape because the light was extremely bright, even as the sun is shining brighter now. It moves towards us and starts to go up and down probably six or seven times. It finally mm -hmm. shoots back up to a couple hundred feet and is now coming right to us. It's now 50 yards in front of us, just hovering, shining the light into our eyes. So naturally, we just sat there staring back at it in amazement and a little freaked out. I thought maybe it was a drone and someone around us was messing with us. But again, no sound at all. It finally started to go over top of us and I watched it slowly disappear. It was a gray color with three white lights and no other markings. I thought about taking my daughter's gun and shooting at it, but something told me not to. I've told a few guys about this at work and they are clueless about what it was. I've been wanting to write about this on the page for a while, but kept putting it off. I figured it was time to share my experience. We are not alone. There is too much unexplained stuff happening more and more every day. I'd love to answer any questions that, you know, any of us have about his, his occurrence. Yeah. 
now, Bill, 20 years as the MUFON state director here in Michigan. I mean, I'm assuming you've probably read and heard lots of things like this. What would you make of something like this? And what would your investigators do? Or would this be worth investigating? Oh, absolutely uh, worth an investigation. And sometimes I like I don't like to say too much up front and then have someone feel satisfied. And then we don't have that great case as part of our database. Perfect. So, I, you know, first and foremost, I, I'd say definitely submit uh, the sighting and have a, an investigator do something in depth. Um, it is chilling the way it was described. Um, it, there are a lot of things, of course, that run through our mind where you say, can I knock this out in 10 seconds? Uh, does it sound like anything an aircraft could do? Um, does it, is there anything celestial that could account for it? Could it potentially be a drone? Um, you know, Chinese lantern, sky lantern, you know, all these sort of things, Starlink satellites, you just, and then all of a sudden it's none of those. And then that's where the investigation certainly begins. Um, there are, you know, uh, certainly a handful of questions I know an investigator would ask. I don't want to front load um, the investigation, but I, I do hope that they do report it and uh, that it can go further because right now I'm, I'm very excited to hear uh, what additionally uh, might come out of an investigation from this. Yep. Um, well, the fact that he said that it went up, up and down six or seven times. Yeah. And then like that overall feeling or when he said something told him not to shoot at it with his daughter's gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I know that. You, mm -hmm. I was going to say, I know that, you know, that sensation of seeing something that shouldn't be there and then receiving a direct message. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. along with like the most terrifying emotions going through you that you can possibly imagine this, mm -hmm. I think, to get us out of there. But uh, I don't know. The, for me, at least, the damage was done. Um, and now here I am. <laughs> so, you know, for better or worse, uh, I'm hooked into investigating this and, and doing this show. Um, so, Bob, if you are listening, which I'm pretty sure that you are, please make sure you do fill out, even this is from September, 2019, fill out a MUFON report and get in touch with, or an investigator will get in touch with you and describe and answer questions and, and get that information into the database. And he's also very interested in other people that were in Gladwin County at that time in this, in September of 2019, if anybody else saw it and, you know, Bill, that's been a big thing for us to kind of reconcile what we've had to deal with is getting that sense of community that we're not the only ones that have had something strange happen to them or uh, mm -hmm. to see something that basically changed their lives. And, and this thing has really propelled Michelle and I in, in a totally different direction as educators, as a science teacher, myself, as an English teacher, you know, Michelle, th this was like the last thing we would have ever thought of to do or anything like that. And yet here we are. Do you have other examples of people that have changed their total track of life where they were thinking they were going or what they were doing? And then this has now changed their direction. 
Oh, so many, sure. <laughs> um, you know, um, one thing that also came to mind, uh, a, a detail about the, the sighting that you just mentioned that I, I want to bring up, uh, during the big 1966 UFO flap uh, uh, of Southeast Michigan, um, oh, at the Hillsdale um, College campus, it was March 21st, 1966 to be exact, um, a UFO was spotted over the ball field there, hovering up and down. It went up and down several times, had a series of lights on it, and before it took off. And to that particular uh, sighting, there were 89 witnesses in a group watching it, uh, for one thing. So um, many uh, corroborating witnesses to the same exact sighting of a UFO slowly bobbing up and down. Uh, one thing I will say about jumping back to the the point about people just dropping everything, changing everything, and diving in is because some people don't even have this, uh, you know, excuse the pun, on their radar. Um, some people have whatever degree of interest in it. But when you see something that isn't questionable, that is definitively different, otherworldly, or maybe even if it's technology that on the military holds that it's, you know, keeping secret. When you see something that's impossible, the, the question is no longer, um, you know, is this real? The question is, what does this mean? And, you know, I always say there's two big questions um, that we have as a species. One of them is what happens after we die. The other one is, are we alone in the universe? And it really, for some people, it taps that part of them. It activates them. It drives them to say, you know, okay, this changes everything. And I can't just quarantine it someplace. I can't just set it aside. I can't just be quiet. I just can't let this go because, yeah, uh, at the deepest core, it changes everything. Um, and I want to jump in with a, a, a quote that I think uh, uh, ties into this nicely. Uh, back during the uh, 1800s, uh, there was uh, a, a physicist. Oh, gosh, why am I blanking on uh, his name? His first name was William. Of course, that's the part I remember. But um, he was uh, somebody that uh, had a lot of great uh, physics, uh, a lot of it's to him. Um, and he was a high big deal in the uh, scientific community. And but he also was into ghost hunting and uh, mediumship, things like that. And when he was uh, prodded by the, his peers to say, you know, hey, you know, um, stop, you know, looking into this other phenomena, you're embarrassing us. And, you know, the, and they said, you know, you can't possibly looking, be looking into this other stuff that is impossible. And he said his response was, well, I never said it was possible. I only said it was true. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, maybe you can't bridge that jump from your mindset, the scientific paradigm, everything that the, you know, the whole world tells you should be and shouldn't be. But then you see it. You see the impossible, and it is real. Never said it was possible, only said it was real. What? Well, first of all, everybody, if you're listening to this, we are currently on with the Michigan MUFON State Director, Bill Konkoleski. And if you want to find MUFON 
online. It simply is MUFON.com. So head on over there and check everything out. Um, enjoy the, the website. It's quite extensive. So, um, and you can put in reports there of any sightings that you have. So I guess, you know, I was just talking to Michelle before we started the show about, um, the recent stuff that's been going on in Washington, D.C. with the subcommittee hearing that happened in July and the three witnesses that were brought forth. We had Ryan Graves, David Fravor, and then David Grush. And he was the kind of the spotlight slash monkey in the middle during those hearings and just really dropping some bombshells in there because he was basically investigating where money was going as part of the UPA, the UAP task force. He was looking around, finding out where was all this money going to and getting told some really crazy things that, you know, like there's crash retrieval programs and alien biologics that they may have found in all of this stuff. So I guess, you know, the first thing I want to do is kind of get what your reaction was to that testimony and watching that I was, I was blown away. And at first, um, until I saw that hearing Grush for me was kind of a wild card, like, uh, you know, he could be a plant, you know, he could just be mentally ill in a position of, you know, working intelligence, which I don't know if they do that very much, but, um, but when I saw him testify and I've always believed Fravor and I always believed Graves because they're, they're highly trained aviators of some of our most advanced weapon systems out there, you know, F-18 fighter pilots are top of the line, but what was your reaction to the testimony? And then do you know, like, could you give us a pulse of what the reaction of MUFON as an organization, what that, how the organization reacted to what was being said during this committee hearing? Oh, sure. Um, first of all, it was William Crooks. I, I, I it came back to me, the, the physicist. Thanks. Okay. So the, the David Grush, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's the way my brain works, huh? So, so David Grush, came at a very interesting time. First of all, they had the um, the the congressional hearings where they you know were asking you know the the questions and getting very tepid responses, and then following up that very shortly was NASA and their big four hour um, to do about we're going to use these tools to possibly look for life somewhere out there. And then David Grush comes in and essentially says, hold my beer. You know, we got a crash. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got bodies and I'm, I'm ready to, to, to go before Congress and just completely blowing things up. I thought uh, to anybody that's really in this space and really paying attention, this was seismic. This was huge. And so then, um, you know, come to his revelations and come the hearing that uh, that he had, uh, the one that you brought up, yeah, it was wonderful. Um, and on one hand, though, you got to admit, it was him just saying, yeah, I know more people. 
I'll tell you about it um, off camera. Yeah, I know where all of these things are. I'll tell you about it off camera. Right. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And from what you hear, he did lay out a great deal of names and places and details of content to those doing the hearing, the those people in office. And then um, there were sort of crickets afterwards. And you hear these, there's these little pop-up stories every once in a while saying that, you know, things like they looked into some of his claims and maybe they weren't real. Or another story is that they are real, but uh, the people in Congress are being stonewalled to try to get access to some of these people and some of these locations to get that information out of them. But, um, you know, what I find happens a lot with stories like this that are really big is that time passes and there's a large chunk of people who come to the assumption, the false assumption, that since they're not hearing more, that the story's been discredited. Yep. And and so, um, unfortunately, time is on the side of those um, trying to, to put up resistance. They feel they can run out the clock if they can drag out the story long enough. People will say, well, this wasn't as big of a deal as they thought because, you know, more information isn't necessarily coming out. What you need is a, a good stream of follow-up um, on this. Now, I think that more is coming. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I do think that he probably did do something that um, is going to have a, a follow-up that'll have um, more meat on it that is released to the public. But, uh, you know, he went and he made a formal complaint. He went before Congress and, you know, his, his testimony could be perjury if uh, he is lying. And so, yeah, he really put himself out for this. And if he didn't really have anything to back it up, then, um, yeah, this really is thin soup. But he claims to, and we just aren't privy to it. But I, I have a, a strong faith that what he did is pushing things in the right direction, especially after all of these, um, I'll just say it's news fests, um, with these congressional hearings and these reports and the NASA thing. Um, I, I think he and, and the other two gentlemen did a lot to to properly shake things up, to, to escalate it. Yeah, you know, and I, I hear the, uh, uh, what do I want to say? I hear the, the debunkers, right? Or, or the people that will, talk about David Grush is not to be trusted because while well, he's former intelligence, but then again, people say he's credible because he's, he's former, former intelligence, intelligence and he's working in such, you know, classified mm -hmm. systems, but it really boils down to like the evidence. And I guess, you know, unless you've seen something yourself and experienced it, what is enough evidence? What What is it that it's going to take to really get people to understand that there there's stuff going on here that we're blind to? Um, some of us have had our eyes opened and, and some of us didn't want our eyes opened to this. I mean, we didn't even think it was a real thing until, 
you see a 300 foot triangle hovering above the road and hearing a voice that says, get away. You don't belong here. Get away. And then you start having medical issues. I, I don't know anybody like that except myself, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. what is it going to take to get people to wake up to this? And, and what kind of evidence do you think it's going to take? Yeah, it's tough. So many people have tied their cart to government disclosure. And the problem with that is that it, the irony of that is that whenever a government official says anything, whenever a politician says anything, um, the, the first gut response is, I don't believe it and I don't trust you. You know, you know, just go on YouTube and, you know, all these videos of any politician, type in the name of anybody in any office anywhere, and you just see things that discredit them. And people don't like to hear from them. People don't like um, the government, you know, just to put it very simply. And then they're like, and now tell us about UFOs. As if somebody was going to say, you know, you know, at that point, now I believe you because you're talking about UFOs. I didn't like you before. I didn't believe you before. But now please tell me about this subject I'm interested in. 100%. Then, yeah. So it, it's, it, it's, it's a trap. It's a trap. So, and then, so it really does boil down to personal encounters, personal evidence, direct evidence that way. Um, big thing too, is that, uh, sometimes, you know, I'll talk to my neighbors about some of the stuff I've seen and they have this look on their face, like, wow, this is really weird. You're coming across as credible. Um, but the thing is, is that if you haven't seen a UFO, if you've never really believed in UFOs, you know, it's just something that you, you don't even think about at all. And then somebody tells you a really good UFO story, then they're in a position where if they believe you, then then by, by just this sort of story from somebody else, they're up against the wall of, do I change the way I think about everything based upon this story that you told me? On one hand, I believe you. But on the other hand, if I believe you, then suddenly I'm a believer in UFOs. Then suddenly I have to weigh that belief in life possibly from elsewhere, uh, affecting everything, every aspect of my life, my religion, what I think about our place in the universe, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really tough to, to be a, a, a second-hand um, believer because um, you have the luxury of believing or not believing because you haven't seen it yourself. And it's those who have had that direct contact that um, that question is off the table. You just know something is happening. Yeah. Um, well, we need to give a quick shout out to uh, Ghost Dragon ZW in the chat for sending us a donation through PayPal. Thank you very much, Ghost Dragon. It is <laughs> Thank much you, appreciated. Ghost Dragon. And uh, much love to you and Gemma out there, Miss Gemma Jade one of our favorite psychics we like to have on the show. So thank you very much. Um, man, chat's really kicking. Uh, 
Bill, you're getting a lot of highs. Yay, it's Bill <laughs> in <Nope>. chat. So <laughs> a lot of people happy that you are here and having this chat with us. Well, and, you know, and I see a couple of the conversations and couldn't agree more. Like, you know, Lisa had said about it's going to take a mass sighting for people to, you know, truly believe what's going on. But then Anita, who's going through MUFON University, or no, I'm sorry, it was Janice. Um, said the first mass sighting may be a false flag like our own you have you know ufos anything that's been kind of remastered um so viewer discretion viewer discretion yeah. but she says time time will come when the real stuff do you bill do you think it, it i i've heard a lot about the false flag thing and it's ours and stuff tr3b and all this stuff i i don't buy it but what I am starting to envision and buy in this situation is could military people, government officials, scientists, or whatever, be having experiences with these things, get that itch, not to figure out what it is that they saw, but try to replicate it to make that happen. Like, like seeing a piece of artwork, if you're an artist and it inspires you to make your own piece of art in a certain way. Now I'm not thinking about building a giant flying triangle. I want to find out what that was, but I'm wondering how many of these things may have actually triggered innovation in humans after seeing them. Have you ever looked into anything like that? And uh, or heard of people that have, or talked to people that have started innovating things that are completely out of the, the ordinary. Um, just wondering what, what your thoughts are on that. Okay, so starting at uh, the beginning, I guess, uh, of what you had said, uh, the premise that uh, some of the things out there are not ours. I do think that some of them are. Um, I'm not saying okay. that what we have is as good as what might be visiting us from somewhere else, but I am, uh, uh, here's, here's a few things, right? So uh, when you look at, go, you know, you go rewind more than 50 years ago, we landed on the moon, um, if we landed on the moon, right? I'm not jumping in there, but, um, <laughs> but so uh, with the assumption that we did, then how far have we come in, in 50 years? Now you compare it to just computer technology in general. Computers at that time were these massive things filled up an entire room. Now there is more computing power on my watch, my wristwatch, than there is you know, on those computers that filled an entire room. So you look at the arc of technology and compare it with the arc of aerospace. And what have we had since the moon landings? Well, we had a couple space shuttles. Those were kind of cool, I guess. And then we have this uh, share time uh, in low orbit with the space station. Um, and, and, and that's about it. We have 50, half a century, and we haven't had human exploration outside of orbit. So... And then where is, you know, when you make these comparisons, we should be, uh, if the comparison is right to our technological advancements and everything else, 
we should be zipping around at least the solar system, no problem at this point. But we're not, unless we are, and unless this technology is being kept secret. So then you have to look at the logistics of it. Um, could the military keep something like this a secret? Well, um, it's possible. Now, I, I point to this example. So the stealth helicopter did not exist until one crashed in Pakistan during the bin Laden raid. That was a top secret aircraft. The government, the military, pardon me, had something nobody knew existed, but it was real. And then when one crashed, oh yeah, we do have that. So if we have that, what are the odds that we have other stuff? We know now that they are constructing things in secret, deploying things in secret, and that there's a budget clearly that is behind putting these aircraft together. And like that one time Rumsfeld said something like what? They, there was a, a, a calculating error of they lost $4 trillion out of the military budget that one year or something like yeah. that. And, and so tons of money is going somewhere. And we do have an example of a top secret aircraft that was revealed only through the fact that it got into an accident. So I think there is something that is, is beyond um, public knowledge um, that is flying around out there. How good it is, we don't know because it's secret, but probably good enough so that people see it in the sky and think, well, that's not a normal airplane. What is that? So I, I do think that it, there is stuff out there. And, you know, there might be some people trying to emulate what they see and say, well, if if somebody from somewhere else is flying something to our planet, it's probably got to have some sort of exotic technology. Let me m mess with magnetism or other things and see what they can do. Um, sure, why not? I, I see that as a possibility, I guess. Yeah, I you know, I totally forgot about the whole stealth helicopter thing. I think that was being used by SEAL Team 6 when they went after bin Laden during that bin Laden raid. So, yeah, there's definitely uh, definitely things out there that we don't know exist. Um, I guess I'm, I'm very interested in knowing where the inspiration has come from for some of these scientists and things to create the things that they do. And I know there has been talk about certain things way back in the thirties and forties being created or even the fifties that were created after the crash of Roswell and those materials started to get examined. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to that. I don't know. Bill has, has MUFON ever like dug back in the past to see and talk to people about any of the, the previous reports like that? Um, it's tough because, you know, we are an all-volunteer army. Uh, certainly, being an all-volunteer army, we have people, part of the organization, that have connections. But it isn't anything like if we went knocking on some military door somewhere saying, MUFON, let us in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not going to get us very far. Though I, I will say um, previous uh, international director Jan Harzen said that uh, he heard directly from Ben Rich um, from uh, Skunk Works that, um, that, that we, his quote was, we currently have the technology to take E.T. home. So yeah. that was I a, heard that same thing from Ben Rich's good friend, uh, 
Jim Goodall, who we've had on here a couple times and has become a good friend of ours. And uh, he used to talk with him quite often and he would say things like, oh, yeah, we've been there, done that. You know, you're watching stuff on sci-fi and, you know, Star Wars and stuff. And he's like, yeah, that's that's not a big deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> But all right, everybody in chat, thank you very much. We're we're seeing you guys still alive and kicking in there. And we recently had It's Savannah join us. So welcome, It's Savannah. Janice is here. and Metalhead has joined yeah, us. Yeah, Metalhead has joined us. So welcome, Metalhead. Glad to see you. Um, let's see. I want to save the pictures in the video we received today. I want to save that to after the break. So I want to throw it out there to people in chat real quick. Does anybody got a quick question they want to fire away at Bill with? I know I'm interested. Has has the government reached out to you guys as of recently with and asked you guys for help or information or? Oh sure, yeah, actually, yeah. yeah um, so that first congressional hearing, um, the uh, the representative from uh, Indiana, every question Andre Carson, every question that he asked um, was written for him by Mufon. So we do have some governmental ties. Um, definitely have their ear, Christian Gillibrand. Um, Tim Burchett, uh, others uh, are, are individuals that MUFON works with and provides information to. Uh, Lisa, just so you know, Bill did describe uh, something that happened to him when he was younger in high school, a UFO situation that he saw. And uh, if you want to go back in the start of the show, he explains that a little bit. So, um, yeah, you'll you can you can find out what really drove him into this field and looking at things um i want to say about probably 10 minutes into the show so one of the first questions we asked so yep if anybody else has a sighting or anything as well don't forget uh our email address is right there it's mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com and Ghost Dragon has a question. Michelle, what is that question? Ghost Dragon asks, how many calls do you actually get that lead to something? Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. So, all right. So in Michigan, again, we get about 200 sightings a year. And on a good year, uh, we can identify about 95% of what comes into us. Um, you know, be it, you know, the list of things I mentioned before, celestial objects, aircraft, um, drones, uh, Starlink satellites, other satellites, um, sky lanterns, Chinese lanterns, um, you know, and a lot of things. Um, and sometimes it's photographic. People will take a picture of something, say, I didn't see this when I took the picture, but what do you think of this in the picture? That sort of thing. So when we can identify about 95% of what comes into us in a year where we get 200 sightings, that means every year we get like 10 good sightings, 10 really good sightings and things that couldn't be explained easily at all. And so that's, that's what keeps us going. The exciting stuff like that. You know, Bill, I was wondering how many of those reports that you guys get are actual abduction cases. I've always mm -hmm. wondered that. Well, you know, the MUFON from its very beginning was, developed to investigate sightings of distant things or things in the sky. Um, and what uh, 
MUFON has done historically is refine that sort of approach. And so when somebody has uh, a UFO sighting, for example, it's very easy to do sort of a checkbox to start off. Like it was this size, it was this color, it moved this fast, I saw it for this long, you know, et cetera. But when somebody has a contact experience, what they are submitting to us is a long description of a very detailed event where checkbox just doesn't do it. And because it's a whole different beast, we have a separate group that called the Experiencer Resource Team that looks into those particular types of sightings. And those type of sightings actually get counted separately from that 200 number that I give. And so if this is... Um, something that uh, uh, MUFON is going to do um, going forward. Um, we are certainly seeing more um, experiencer accounts as time goes on, and the way things that these cases are handled uh, might change. But like I said, the organization was developed to look at things in the sky, and now we're getting all sorts of experiencer accounts, and we're doing our best to to, to cover both lanes. And many times... Um, People will have a UFO sighting, obviously, and not see an entity. Some people will see an entity, but not a UFO. And you know, and sometimes they'll see a UFO and an entity. So there, there are those slight um, differences in going on, too, and trying to figure out how to investigate them is sometimes a challenge. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, Lisa Bowden sent in a $5 super chat. She says, this is now my go-to show. Thank you both. Great job keeping things real. Lisa, thank you very much. We are trying our best, even as busy as we are with the start of a new school year uh, and tired and things. This gets us fired up and uh, your super chat is awesome. So thank you very much. We very much appreciate that. Um, you know, I think what we should do right now, we're at the one hour mark. Why don't we go ahead and take about a four minute break? As everybody knows, we are here with Michigan State Director of MUFON, Bill Konkoleski. And maybe when we come back from break, we can talk a little bit about your experience with the people over at Netflix doing the uh something in the sky unsolved mysteries and we have a mutual friend in uh jack bouchon we can uh talk about his case and what went on there a little bit for people that are new uh to knowing what's going on here in michigan and what has gone on and uh see if we can get some more questions coming in from chat so um hey welcome diane boss our first and only current member right now so thank you once again it's uh good to see you here but all right everybody so bill we're gonna go ahead and take off for about five minutes or so and uh stretch your legs get a drink and we'll be back in just a few minutes all right michelle are you ready for a break yeah, let's take a five minute as break. As soon as so, Diane shows up, we're going to take I, off I know, a break. we take a break as soon as <laughs> Diane shows up. I... Well, Diane, I'm going to tell you something. This has been the kind of show, and everybody out there, the kind of show that I've wanted for a long time. This is uh, This has turned out 
fantastic, better than I could have expected how everything would go tonight. And uh, we really appreciate you guys all here. Um, but we're going to go ahead and take a break. I need to get some more water because my voice from talking and teaching for the last two weeks. I think Guy and I probably Ooh. both need to run and go and get coffee. some more coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's get some coffee. All right, Michelle, I'm kicking you back to the studio. And I'm going back to the studio. So everybody, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Traveling near New Boston, Michigan? Hungry? Well, then you need to check out New Boston Coney and Grill tucked away at 37005 Huron River Drive. With daily specials, homemade soups and desserts, and a staff that makes you feel like family, you will not be disappointed. Give them a try for dine-in or carry-out at 734-606-5313. You can find their page, including their menu, on Facebook. Bon Appetit! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, you guys? It's your girl, Gemma Jade from Gemma Jade YouTube, Moon Bear Oracle, Paranormal Chop Shop. You're here listening to Wayne and Michelle with the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jared Murphy of NotAliens.com, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle from Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Hi there. This is Christina Gomez of Paradigm Shifts and the Debrief Media, and you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. I'm Greg Little, co-author of Origins of the God with England's Andrew Collins. It's a great book. It's about UFOs and the paranormal, and it gives an explanation. It's not what you think. And you are listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to get things kicking here for the last segment of the show. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, 
quick announcement. We have our very second member. Ghost Dragon has become a YouTube member. Thank you, man, very much. We appreciate it. Now you get to have your little own uh, Michigan UFO emojis in chat. So enjoy those and also access to a uh, members only community section on YouTube. And I'm working on figuring out all of that stuff. And maybe we'll put up some videos and uh, some behind the scenes stuff that goes on to get everything ready um, for the show. Um, some people like that and we'll just have some open chats and stuff going on. So thank you, Ghost Dragon, very much for becoming a member. We really appreciate it. Um, guy asks, <laughs> what the hell is a member? Dead serious. Well, now if you look underneath the video on YouTube, you see a button next to, uh, I'm not sure because I'm looking at it from a different angle, but there's a join button. If you click that, you can become a member of the Michigan UFO sightings and paranormal army or something. I don't know what we're going to call it, but three bucks a month is all it, all it costs to become a member. And I will, uh, do some certain things behind the scenes and stuff. You know, it all depends on how much time you can invest. So, yeah, so most excellent. So we are here. Is Michelle here? I know I hear coffee. I am here and I've got Wait. some ideas too, guys. So, Hey, there we are. <laughs> I thought maybe you About went outside no, and fell asleep or something. No, I needed to go get more <laughs> coffee because, again, I'm asking what the mm, is sleep right now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to bring Bill up back on here in a second, but we are currently talking to Bill Konkoleski, the Michigan State Director of MUFON. And um, when I bring him back on here in a second, I want to ask him about how was it working with Netflix? And because I'm, I'm a curious guy, like behind the scenes, like everything that goes on when it, it, you know, to put something together like that and put it out on Netflix and, you know, what the interviewing process was like and what was the crew like and, you know, all that stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and bring Bill Konkoleski back on. Hey, Bill, welcome hey. back. Hey, yeah. So, yeah. So, what was it like going back with Netflix and talking about the 1994 Western Michigan UFO flap that was uh, tracked on radar by Jack Bouchon and being chased around by sheriff, the sheriff department over there and mm -hmm. incredible sightings. So, yeah, it was definitely. So when I joined MUFON again, back in 93, um, this event happened shortly after I became a member. So like fall of 93, I'm coming in as a member. Spring of 94, suddenly this mass sighting in Michigan, over 300 witnesses, including the police and the radar returns and everything. I'm like, wow, this is going to be like this all the time, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just happened to have snuck in right before, you know, one of our big ones. And so for me, that's always been a special event. I was too green. I didn't have my field investigator uh, training done. I was just, you know, onboarding and excitedly hearing all the updates in the meetings and, um, you know, in the newsletters. And so um, uh, this was one of the things that got me exceptionally fired up, this particular event. 
Now, about 20 years um, after this, um, the um, uh, UFO hunters, I'm trying to remember the exact year, I don't remember, but uh, UFO hunters approached us and said they wanted to do something about this particular event. And they put it in an episode with other UFO events from Illinois. And um, I think they call it UFO Emergency is the name of the episode. And it was good. Any, any coverage of this is good. But it wasn't, it didn't, you know, scratch that itch for me. This was a huge deal, as much to me as something like, say, you know, the uh, Phoenix Lights or, you know, you name your big UFO event. This is up there. This is a major deal. And it had yet to have that sort of attention paid to it. And so when um, um, Unsolved Mysteries um, reached out and said that they wanted to do it, um, you know, I provided some of the names of the folks who were on the show. They had contact information for other people. And um, we had a good enough lead to start uh, making inroads to see if we could do something worthwhile with this. And I was deeply, deeply impressed with the final product. And I feel finally satisfied that this event has gotten the level of attention that it really seriously deserved. This nice, long, single episode focusing on the event. Back when it happened, um, back even when UFO Hunters was getting involved in it, you know, uh, you had Jack, who was not yet retired. Um, I don't know if Officer Velthaus was retired or not, but since that time, both retired, both very ready to talk about the, the event. And so we were able to to, to cover it um, with, with I mean, you couldn't ask for a better job from the production. Yeah, it, you know, when I saw that in, because and I think I told you this before the episode, I was told to watch the episode before the one with Jack Bouchon, because it was about a, a coach that his wife's brother was murdered. And they did an episode of that. And I worked with them at the school I'm at right now. So that was the, that was the show I was told, Hey man, you got to watch this and see what's going on. And I was like, Oh my God. And I left it running in the background. Um, when the show was over, I just let Netflix do its thing. And I came over to the computer and started doing some work and I could hear in the background, you know, I didn't know Jack at the time or anything. And I could hear the talking and them talking about UFOs in Michigan. I'm like, what mm -hmm. is this? What is this? And I'll tell you, um, Outside of talking to about Michigan specific incidents, outside talking to um, Ray Samansky, who did the Swamp Gas My Ass book and his other little trilogy book that, that goes along with that, um, it was one of the best put together UFO shows and episodes about something, and especially something in Michigan which at the same time that was going on on the west side of the state, there was stuff going on with triangles on the east side of the state that seems to have been overshadowed. I don't know if many people didn't report what they were seeing on the east side of the state, but like our friend here, Guy Merritt, he, you know, in March of 94, he had an incredible 
triangle sighting. And like I said, Shirley came to his house to interview him about everything that went on. And there was a couple ladies that reported being abducted at that same time to move on. Mm-hmm. And eventually one of them was pregnant and she was told she could never get pregnant and ended up having a child. It, it's, you know, and I guess that's kind of what sparked my question about how many of these are abduction cases as well. Like, you know, it, it was just it, very fascinating. Now, do you have any other, well, let me go back a minute. The amount of people that did reports on that west side of the state in 94 with all that was going on what do you think the real number is of people that saw those you or yeah i guess there was more than one ufos on the west side of the state do you have a like a a a gut reaction to okay you guys got 300 but really about thirty thousand people saw this stuff yeah, it's it's always tough to to speculate out that far. You have several layers of uh, when somebody sees something. First of all, they're like, um, "Am I going to do anything with what I just saw?" Because sometimes people see strange things and they just block it out right at that moment and go on. Sometimes they ruminate on it a while, um, wonder if they should tell somebody. Um, that person could be a friend, a family member, whatever. And then, you know, there are several layers that it takes for somebody to say, hey, I want to tell this to somebody that's official. The police, uh, military, uh, grassroots, UFO organization. Um, And and so I I think they have to go through several steps before they say, yeah, let me tell this UFO investigation group about it. And then, you know, KUFOs, they got their share uh, of the sightings uh, and then it just and other groups possibly that uh, smaller groups dove into I would you know I would say the estimate is easily over a thousand beyond that I don't know could be 30,000 you're right um, but it's clearly a lot more than 300 people who decided that they would go on record and actually say something about this <sighs> Well, you know, uh, Michelle was telling me during the break, um, I want to make a quick announcement for people that might be listening or watching on Facebook. When you type into chat in the Facebook, uh, the comments under the videos, all that shows up on our side of the screen because we're using the StreamYard software is it just says Facebook user. And sometimes StreamYard and Facebook don't necessarily agree very well. So we don't want anybody to get upset out there if we don't say hi to you or anything like that. If we usually see just Facebook user and it's on a slower night, we'll say, hey, Facebook user, how's it going? What's your name? You know, kind of a thing. But if we got chat flying through here tonight, people are excited to be talking about their experiences in chat. Um, Please don't get upset. We're not ignoring you. Just uh, jump over here to YouTube and and say hi and and get in here in the chat. And then we'll if you got a question for Bill, we'll be able to ask that. Um, but again, don't get upset. Just come on over and uh, jump into YouTube chat and we'll talk to you. 
So, yeah, as Ghost Dragon says, chat is happening tonight. Yes, it is. And I'm going to ask chat, did you guys think of some questions you wanted to ask the Michigan MUFON State Director, Bill Konkoleski, tonight? So, come on, chat. Let's, let's get some questions out there. I know you have some. You know, somebody had asked earlier about uh, sharing some of your experiences, Bill. Um, mm -hmm. And then you kind of went into that with the the light, the orb that you were dealing with um, when you were in high school. But what what's one of your other ones that you've had to deal with? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I'll start. And uh, depending on how time goes, just uh, yep. sort of... Uh, with the UFO sightings themselves uh, there, I was sledding age. I'm trying to remember if this is nine or 10. Um, I have it uh, written down. In fact, it's in my first book. Uh, uh, it was winter. The, uh, there was tons of snow back in the uh, um, early eighties and back then. And so there was enough snow that when we shoveled our driveway um, that, you could actually hop on a sled and get a nice little two second ride down or whatever. Yep. And so I was doing that one night. And then after I got a little bit tired, I laid back on the sled and I was staring up at the sky and I saw this white ball of light, like a star looked like about same size as the rest of the stars flying across the sky. And then whenever it would look like it was going to collide with a star, imagining this is a two dimensional plane space is a two dimensional plane. It, it would move around it. It would zigzag around it. And it was flying across the sky, zigzagging around the other stars in the sky um, very cleanly, neatly, very quickly. And that doesn't make sense at all, obviously, because these stars are literally light years apart. And, and the only way that this display would be meaningful is to somebody looking up at the sky from earth from the vantage point that i was in but it was very clear anytime there was a star the thing would move around it the star the little star i was watching would move around it so i wanted a second witness so i ran to get my older brother but he decided as a joke he was going to lock me out of the house so i'm pounding <laughs> on the door saying there's a ufo out here there's a ufo and of course he thought that was my you know nine or ten year old way to to try to trick him to open the door and then after a, a moment, he opened the door and he saw I was serious and he came out by this time it was gone. So I thought that was an, an interest. I mean, you could really read into that. Like maybe it only wanted me to see it and not him to see. It. I don't know. There's that. I mean, you could really go down the rabbit hole on that one. But um, another of the big ones and um, that I had in terms of seeing something was it was a early 90s, 1991, I'm still uh, living with my folks, and I fell asleep watching television, and as I was laying there in the middle of the night, the, this bright ball of light, it was about, turned out to be about 2.30 in the morning, um, I saw the spotlight move through the uh, bay window into the room very quickly, and then another one, and then another one, I'm like, what's going on? I couldn't hear anything. It was summer, and the TV room was sort of the front room of the house. Like you walk right 
in from outside and there you are there's the tv whatever and the screen door was shut but the main door was still open so if there was any noise associated with this i would have been able to easily hear it but there wasn't so i climbed up and i looked out and i saw very fast moving craft going through the sky zipping through the sky and i walked outside on the porch to take a look at it and yeah they were triangular shaped they were black um they had sort of a scoop in the back and just a single bright white light under it a spotlight and as they would fly overhead the spotlight would shine at my house i know i'm taking a tremendous leap from the uh say the objective observer data collector to something that's very clearly interpersonal with these things by by talking about this story but yeah they were flying overhead super quick like they would i estimate there was probably three of them and they could cover the distance of the sky instantly and the way they moved was a sort of interesting sort of sliding effect um I, I don't know how better to describe it um as if they 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 weren't moving in a natural way that i understood but they were being pulled from one um part of the sky to the other very quickly um and uh, that's what i can tell of the story so, um really uh going way out there but yeah mm -hmm. well you do have a couple of books out there um experiencer one and experiencer two which does mm -hmm. chronicle your experiences and uh speaking of facebook users he, uh we get an interesting question from facebook users sorry we don't know your name i was just making a getting ready to make a comment but, to this yeah black mm -hmm. cubes over dtw i've seen some weird things over dtw terminal have you ever had anything reported to mufon about ufos or sightings over uh detroit metro yeah there's one that's actually kind of amusing it was um, it would have been September 2004, September 29th or 30th. Uh, here's me like being good with dates all of a sudden. So, <laughs> so, but I talk about this one in my presentations <coughs> sometimes. So that particular um, early morning at about four in the morning, people said that they were seeing bright uh, strobing white lights around the airport that would zip really quick through the sky and clearly weren't airplanes. Um, how we found out about this, uh, maybe this is the best way to tell it, was uh, Dick Purton was a well-known radio host in Michigan. Excuse me. I had a show on the, uh, the station WOMC and a guy called in with this report. He said, hey, you know, this is what I saw this morning. I saw this bright strobing light moving through the sky very quickly. I pass by the airport all the time. I know what normal aircraft looks like, and this was not it. And so Perton says, hey, you know, well, if anybody else saw this, could you please call into the station? And turned out two more people called in with the same report. So they had the, he had three different witnesses on his show to this strange phenomena this morning, probably not what he intended, you know, he might have just been surprised by the first caller and playfully put out, um, you know, to say, hey, anybody else call. And then unexpectedly, you know, he's 
on his show with three UFO sightings. So on a station break, he actually called the airport and they said they didn't see anything. And um, it, he asked, you know, uh, if their radar, you know, possibly picked up anything. Now, these sightings were right around a 94 and 275, right in that general mm -hmm. area. And so the airport said that their radar doesn't go that far, apparently. Whoever he was talking to said their radar doesn't go that far. And for those of you who don't know, these two roads are pretty much right on the edge of the airport. Yes, uh, they are. So so if, they, if you were not afraid to fly before, no. So obviously they were just blowing them off. But yeah, that was one that was interesting around uh, Detroit Metro Airport. And, and no... Uh no identification of what those were at all what what they might have been mm -mm. no no just strobing lights and then he would move hyper just, quick through the sky strobe a little uh, bit more zip around again okay well guy asks has bill ever heard of cases where some people see a craft and others who should have seen it seem to see, be seeing nothing yeah i love this mm -hmm. i love this right here because uh when Michelle and I saw our triangular UFO there, even though it was two 30 in the morning, there were other vehicles and stuff. Out, we, we've tried know. for the last five years trying to track down anyone who mm -hmm. saw the same occurrence because we saw other cars on yeah. the road. Yeah. There were other cars on two seventy five. There were other cars on Ford road at the time, you know, at least like March of 94, not only, you know, the over 300 accounts of what happened on the west side of the state, but we've been able to solidify accounts on, you know, our side of the state. And then one of my coworkers just recently also gave an instance in detailed story of something that both her and a girlfriend had seen in March of 94. So, hmm. yeah. So what, what do you make of that where you can have two people multiple people one person sees something and nobody else sees what they're seeing yeah there, there's several different approaches you could take uh, to this one one is um and this is diving a bit deeper is that the that there are people that are open to the phenomena they can see beyond the veil if you will and they will tend to see things that others can't because they are connected in ways that other individuals aren't. Sometimes people bring up the whole story that when the first big wooden ships came over from Europe, the, the people that were here couldn't even see them because it wasn't in their reality. Yep. Um, and so maybe something along those lines. I do have one story that was pretty dramatic and pretty strange that, that deals with just this very thing. And in the area actually of, uh, somewhat the area of where you guys saw it, at least the area of the state. In 97, um, a guy reported, um, and I'll tell the story of, of how I got the story and then how I got back to him, because I think it adds to the story. He left a message on my, um, my um, uh, cell phone, and um, wait, was it 97 or was it 2007? Okay, no. All right. So it was 2007 he called, but it was about a sighting he had in 97. Okay. So 
um, because I was like, did I have a cell phone in 97? <laughs> I did not. So anyway, so it's 2007. The guy calls about this thing in 97 anyway. So he reports that him and his wife were driving to work into Ann Arbor. They were driving north on US 23. And they it was early in the morning, about 8 in the morning. And they saw this thing glinting in the sky at the distance. And as they drove further, as they got closer to it, I should say, they saw that there was a giant thing just hovering over the road. And it covered the entire northern lanes of traffic. And when they got even closer, they saw that it was pyramidal in shape, not a triangle. It was an actual pyramid. And it was it had sort of a, a brushed chrome uh, surface um, black beneath it with two sort of lights coming out of it that looked like it might have been light, so either a spotlight or some kind of propulsion. And to make it even crazier, this pyramid had some sort of hieroglyphics on it. And so he said that as they were driving north and they were getting closer to it, closer, they pulled over and several people, there was a large group of people watching this thing. And that other people were just driving through it as if they didn't see it, as if it didn't affect them, as if the, you know, and the, it was a bigger shock to them. Like, how come everybody isn't freaking out? You know, how come some people, you know, there are no accidents, people parked off to the side all over the place. There's only a limited group of people outside watching this thing. And it was just frozen in place, just hovering there. And he said, then it jerked just a little bit. It pivoted just slightly and then everyone freaked out like oh my gosh it's moving and then it been <laughs> faster and faster he said and then it boom, shot off into the sky at tremendous speed and he said within literally like two seconds two jet fighters flew over um and so then he uh they went on their way and so the reason i bring you up he left a message on my uh, my voicemail is because I was at the point where I was turning in an old phone and getting a new phone. I didn't realize that I had downloaded his uh, report. And so when I got the new phone, I'm like, oh, darn it. I lost his report and I don't know how to get in touch with this guy. But several months later, I actually found um, the voicemail um, and it was transferred over in the little memory card to my new phone. And I listened to it, and so I'm like, okay, good. Now I'm going to call this guy back. And so it's six months later, and I call this guy back. And I said, I'm so sorry. This is what happened. Um, I, I want to hear your story again. And he told it exactly, pretty much word for word, as he had told it to me six months earlier. So there was no substantive change in his story. Like he didn't leave his wife out. Um, he, you know, he didn't describe the object or its activity or the jets. He described it exactly as he did. And I, he was surprised to hear me call. You know, I, I called from out of the blue and yet he was able to repeat it exactly as he had left the voicemail several months earlier. He claimed that there was a police report um, made on it because he said one of the people there was a police officer. Um, but I've been able to find anybody else. And, and he was just absolutely flabbergasted that this most astonishing thing in the sky, some people gave it that, you know, the, the astonishment it deserved. And other people were like, mm, I'm on my way to work. So 
Yeah, yeah it, it's really something. Um, a couple of other little things here in chat I'm going to bring up that are from, uh, again, Facebook users, so people watching us on Facebook. Um, and then I want to show you some of these photos in a video, a couple of videos that came in to us just today, like uh, 20 minutes, half hour before we started the show. But uh, are you going to show the, the picture that yeah. I sent you? So, yeah. So from Canton. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't have that one from Cam. Oh, you better send it to messenger. me again. But in the meantime, so Facebook user says in 2011, my wife, me and my wife and two sisters were around a hundred feet from a hovering red orange Tic Tac. Try to report it to MUFON, but the person didn't believe me. Now that's generally something that MUFON investigators would necessarily do or say, but you guys are made up of volunteers. I mean, maybe you could speak to this a little bit. I, I don't know anything else other than the stuff that's shown there. Um, well, we're we're only seeing part of this right now. Right. Um, so when the the person says that Mufon the 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 investigator, I'm assuming it was an investigator, of course, uh, didn't believe them. What did they say? Yeah. You know, what was their response? So it's not just a matter of um, the individual reports something and MUFON says uh, thumbs up or thumbs down. And then, you know, there, if it's not what the person, you know, uh, you know it, the per if MUFON can identify it, they'll tell you this is right. what it is. But to say they don't believe them, I mean, it seems like it's, a credibility thing there it's a it, it comes across as the investigator says you know you don't come across as credible to me rather than saying oh you saw this we've identified it i've identified it for you this is what it is yeah now if mufon did make an identification of that and again i i don't have the case in front of me i don't have the details i don't you know know uh, the investigator the witness or anything but if I were to speculate just based upon the that, I would say it was possible that the investigator identified it or believed they identified it as a sky lantern or Chinese lantern. Um, red, orange, that's, you know, because it's basically you stick a candle in a little plastic bag, let it off, and it does. It does. It is reddish orange and yeah. it does hover. And um, if it's 100 feet away, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just speculating here. Um, I don't know the additional details. Yeah. yeah, there's not a lot of information there. And, you know, um, you know, when you contact an investigator or you put it in a report, you know, you might be set on what it is that you think that you've seen. And when they investigate, they have a good explanation for it. And, you know, it's something... Maybe you don't want to hear. I I mean, obviously we, again, we're just speculating on, you know, a short little paragraph on information. Um, but yeah. So anyways, uh, I want to jump over to the, uh, possibly the same Facebook user or a different one who happens to say, cause I find this interesting psychic phenomenon versus nuts 
I think that's supposed to be nuts and bolts, like nuts and bolts craft, like built. So mm -hmm. what I, I think that's like people seeing UFOs or something and other people next to them not seeing it. Have you guys delved into some of that uh, UFO, um, you know, versus psychic ability, people seeing things that aren't there, but, you know, some people might be psychic and can see something or something along those lines. Like, how does that work? Okay, I guess I have two answers. One would be as a MUFON representative and the other as an individual. <laughs> yep. um, so MUFON is finely tuned to do what it does best, which is to try to identify things in the sky that people have seen. And there are fairly clear parameters that are encouraged not to be crossed um, in terms of um, poltergeist phenomena, cryptids, etc., whatever, um, saying that, you know, not saying those phenomena are valid or invalid, just simply, please let's stay on this page of investigating yeah. uh, UFOs. And so I guess if there's a few different ways I could have read that question slash comment too, but I suppose that MUFON is as about as nuts and bolts as you can get. Not to say that other stuff is valid again or invalid. It's just their focus. Now, my encounters personally growing up where, you know, I, I've seen a ghost, you know, I've had all sorts of poltergeist activity happen. You know, I just, you know, I, I've gotten pretty much the full suite of what's weird. And it, to me that it just, it, the, the, whole scope of phenomena in general feels connected. Yes. And um, there are times where, you know, I, I've spoken to, um, I, I remember this conversation I had with a uh, Chris Bailey, a ghost uh, investigator here in Michigan, great guy. And we are talking about cases where um, people might report something to him as a ghost or me as like an entity, you know, an extraterrestrial. And without, um, uh, much more than a simple detail of there was a dark figure in the house with me, then, you know, then it depends, you know, then that person, the witnesses filter comes in and then they'll go to whichever group that they think can best serve them. But, you know, there, there are some phenomena that seem to be crossover phenomena and, um, and even, you know, there've been a lot of Bigfoot sightings around UFOs Um and um, as a MUFON representative, I'm not going to say more about uh, a Bigfoot. But as 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 myself, yeah, absolutely. Why not? I mean, why you know, <clears throat> if Bigfoot was simply an animal, then you know, more evidence I think would have come forth by now about finding remains or other evidence. But if yeah. there was, but if there is a paranormal extra dimensional whatever side to the creature then you know anything goes i suppose yep so um i'm gonna share a photo right now while i get one that was just sent to us and uh i want to make sure that i share it properly i don't want to give away too much information um, from a person who sent this in janice in chat so i need to get that ready to go but i'm going to share with you right now 
what Michelle was talking about, and she can give you some details <clears throat> as to where this comes from and what was going on with this. Um, let me see um, if I can blow. Do this me a favor, send me or share the second one. So I sent you one that's edited with all of the. Okay, hold on a minute. Uh, let's see here. I did a little. But I want to thank the individual for discussing their their sighting. Um, Absolutely. You know, but the the person a moment ago that we didn't have more details on. I don't mean to at all sound dismissive. I'm just saying that it would be nice to know more. I told them in chat to try reporting again. Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. So this, some this photo was sent to me from one of my coworkers that had seen it shared on a group page in Canton, Michigan. Well, lo and behold, Canton, Michigan is where Wayne and I yeah. saw our triangular craft. And this is in the area um, she had said, oh, let's see, Palmer and Lily. Uh, well, it, Lily yeah. yeah, it was like Palmer and Lily area. So and I know that there is a small airport over there, but I did not think that it was utilized as much. Um, it, it's more for like, you know, small jets, personal craft, things of that sort. And so the, the buzz started going on this particular Facebook group out of Canton, Michigan, about what was being seen here and what they were reporting that they had seen was a triangular craft. And this is just within the last week. Any reports come yeah. in, Bill, that you know of? recently from that area with triangular craft this is like the best picture they could get i'm assuming it was moving pretty fast i i don't know uh what kind of other information was given and by the way people that are listening to us on the podcast if you want to see the photos we're going to be showing here get over here to youtube and check out the video well i'd have to pull up our our recent most recent reports like some from over the weekend but um, from the picture, there's not a lot to tell. Certainly the best version of the picture is always the best picture to, to investigate. Um, what it appears to me, um, is that the person intentionally, sometimes there are pictures where somebody said, oh, I just took a picture and then this was in it. Well, this looks clearly like they're taking a picture of this because I'll tell you, it looks like even the vehicle is in motion. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You see the headlights coming. You see yep. the blurred uh, the light posts and uh, electric wires, and it seemed like this person really made an effort to, to get the best picture out of this thing. Okay, um, so, so here's here's what I will tell you because there were multiple reports in the chat. It said definitely coming from the sky. Not sure what it is. A family member is on the road in Canton right now and said a lot of power outages and DTE all over the roads. Someone also said that they heard it because they were talking about a rumbling sound from it. Hmm. So whatever the this craft was, it was a rumbling sound. And they said that they were also near that um, Lily and Palmer area. Uh, let's see. Um, 
Now, somebody had said that they thought it might be a plane heading into Willow Run. The problem is it was going the opposite direction. So that would not be Willow Run. I know where Willow Run is near 94. Well, it could have been taken off from Willow Run and going somewhere. But still, I mean, that doesn't look like any light patterns that I no, would know we see it. Aircraft. We see planes all the time. We yeah. live by DTW. So... I mean, I don't know. The the two lights there, it's hard to tell if there's a third one. Seem pretty flat against the the yeah. back end of it. Yeah, Ghost Dragon says it still don't look right. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I mean, there would be other lights too if it was a, a plane. Yeah. But they have, you know, um another Canton resident said this has been slowly happening more and more often for a month or so near their home um, in Canton. Well, you know, if those people are listening right now or this feed is still going on um, with this picture out there of people talking on social media, if you saw this thing, please put in reports to move on. <laughs> yeah, Let them investigate um it. A direct uh, um, copy of the image and the ability for an investigator to do certain things like um, if we have the best approximation of time and place of this sighting, like if uh, the image has exif, good exif data on it, for example, um, you know, we can see if uh, there's there were any aircraft actually listed at the time going in the direction that sort of thing, you know, yeah. getting the rest of the details from the witness um, uh, of where exactly it was and things along that line. So at least that could be included in the possibilities or discounted from any possibility. Yeah. And it's an interesting image. I'd like to hear the description that goes along with it, what it actually looked like to the witness. Yep. Um, it's hard to tell if the light is coming off the object or being reflected off the object. Yep. I, I totally agree. You know, let, let's get the people that are doing the training right now to investigate. Well, it sounds uh, like this was on. taken during the time that we had two days of severe storms. So uh, power would okay. have been completely out in this area. Mm -hmm. well, well, but then, you know, who knows what, if, uh, clearly the headlights are uh, in front of the vehicle here. So I don't know if it's catching lights from off the road. Yeah. Right. Yep. I agree. So people do your, get, get what you need to do and, and uh, get those reports out there. And Facebook user says, love you guys. Thank you so much. Hey, you are very much welcome. Um, possibly a TR three B. I, I am one. Facebook user, whoever you are, I am one that does not believe about the TR3B. Me personally, I've looked at the plans or whatever that float around out there, and to me that makes no sense. But that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. That's fine. But, everybody, we are here with the MUFON Michigan State Director, Bill Konkoleski, and we're getting ready to wrap things up as we are putting him on the spot with some photos sent in from our listeners who are like, please show these to Bill, ask him what he thinks. So here's one I want to show you. Um, Janice, who's in chat right now, sent us this very interesting picture. And it's an awesome <laughs> mini pin. 
Okay. Great dog. What a beautiful picture. I mean, just well done. But she said that nobody saw this when the picture was taken or afterwards. There was nothing there, but it showed up in the picture. Bill, mm-hmm. putting you on the spot. What do you think? <laughs> do you have the do you have the entire image? Is this the entire That's image? It. It yep. looks, okay. Can you yep. pull back so I can see every, everything? Yes. There we go. That's the complete picture. Okay. What I am looking for is something that is reflective enough to put that in the picture. That's yeah. what my best uh, guess is going to be. It's a very intricate looking image. Uh, I, I won't deny that, but I, it looks just like an, a light artifact it doesn't look like it's actually um something that's physical in there it looks okay. like just something that developed to me as part of the the photo um, here's something that might be a little juicier a little bit of info okay. on the picture she says this was taken in the evening in phoenix arizona in the 1999 2000 year range hmm. and we know about <laughs> we know what was going on <laughs> in arizona and the Phoenix lights and everything. Uh, very interesting. I love that pattern in there, whatever yeah. that is. And the fact that nobody else saw it at all, just only in the picture. Mm-hmm. Maybe more paranormal than UFO. Well, and she said, if you look at it closely, you can see colored lights glowing on it. Oh, yeah. It does look like there's like a, a glow around it. Hmm. Okay, very interesting. I mean, Janice, you might want to uh, write this up and send it to Arizona. Move on with whatever information you can. See if anybody else picks something up. And since this was a flash, you know, besides just simply being a reflection or uh, of something, it could be a dust particle, and that's how when the light hit it. Okay. All right, so now for our last sets of pictures and videos, because you were talking about your first experience of the orbs, and it immediately made me think of the pictures that were sent to us just before the show. So I'm going to kind of click through these so you can see the progression and then the videos that go along with it. So this was in June. These This series here I'm going to show you. So there's a, the same picture, a little different. You can kind of see the trees. I don't okay. know if you can or not. No, it's, it's, it's difficult for me to get that level of resolution that you're able yeah. to see. Okay. But, when you, but I do see sort of a jagged line. But to me, when the object moved further down the the image those jagged lines moved so i didn't know if that was just something that the light was doing how far it was casting out light or if those are the tops of trees okay and then he uh said that he was trying to play around with some enhancements and stuff like that so he sent me this picture of the object and here you can see some good ones that are down here and is real that are, it's like lighting up the tops of the trees. This was what got his attention. 
that's out his bedroom window of his house. And he saw this light zipping, kind of going from up and down. And he snapped the picture. And here is the video that he took. This one's eight seconds. No, it gets better, though. Here is the most recent video. This is a longer video. He is looking out the window. It looks like he's maybe in a uh, mobile home park, and you can see some lights, but this thing moves very strangely, and he happens to say in the video, that thing is back again, and it's moving all over, changing colors. So... And right here. So this is out the window. There's some other homes right here. And here's this thing coming down. At first I was thinking, okay, satellite. But then that's not a satellite. Oh wow! So you're seeing it go behind the branches. I mean, it's getting low right now. <laughs> now watch what it does. It's right there again in that same spot that it was the other day. Nice. This and is from my window. In my house, and, and look it at just that. turned blue and changed direction. It did a, a 90 it's degree blue turn, and green, blue, green, and it moved to the right, wow. to the right. This is one of the best ones I've seen. And then it stops. Now, there is reflection. On the window here, from it looks like maybe a, a more camera. About but two it's to four hundred yards at all right now. Yeah, it doesn't match. No, what the lights it's doing in the background. It looks like and it's over here. Two lights it's really really low. <laughs> or, you know, and he said he did not yards. do a report on this, and I told him do a report on this. Yeah, this is fantastic. Ghost dragons asking if it could possibly be a drone. It's it, straight red right now. It would be very highly lit to be visible at that distance. Yeah. It would have to be and really quite well. large, and the whole thing would have to be lit up. I was going to say, for the folks listening to just the audio, you need to jump over to YouTube and watch this. Yeah. you got to see this video. This is one of the best ones I've seen sent to us. I can't record. And look at it. You know, and he and even just, asked, where is it going? What's over there? I mean, he lives clearly, there. He obviously knows. It you know, clearly but, passes behind objects. Yeah. Um, and it starts. Look how high up it starts. And the, the this angle throws me at first. Yeah, it does. Because he's like <clears throat> looking up on an angle out the window. You know, it, Certainly, it would have been much better um, to be outside. Yes. 
and also have the audio available from outside uh, to hear if this thing was making any noises. One thing that's an advantage to the way it was filmed is that certain I mean, things remain static right inside yes. and outside to be able to see that it's the light that's moving. It's not the camera it's that's right moving. there again in that same spot that it was the other day. So this was sent to us by a listener on Facebook. Um, let me get his name real quick. It was Gary had sent that to us. Um, man, just just out of the blue. And he says, we're definitely not alone. <laughs> so I told him, I said, please make sure you fill out a, a report on this. And, uh, you know, get information. Maybe he can even send you the video. Okay, I'm I'm looking up uh, recent cases just in case. Okay, I'm not really sure where he's located. I know he's here in Michigan. Um, let me see. I asked him if he could give me some details, but you know what? That's a great thing that we can end the show on tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, before you go, Bill, can you give mm-hmm. our listeners and people out there? that might see something, some, some best, uh, I guess, what do I want to say? Like, uh, best tips and tricks on filming stuff, what they want to try to capture date, time, temperature, location, GPS coordinates, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what, what is the perfect thing that MUFON would want? to receive as a report what information okay so uh first of all i'll say it doesn't look like my just a quick glance that it, it has been submitted but please do that's that's really something yep um so if, if somebody is going to film something um ideally you want to film it without uh, a barrier a pane of glass in front of you if it's possible i know sometimes sightings are only like three seconds five seconds And in that case, well, it doesn't really matter anyway because you're not going to get to your camera in time. But if you are able to film something, film it outdoors so that the issue of reflection or refraction doesn't come into the uh, um, equation. And then make sure that you film something else in the picture with it. If there's a tree, another building, something to demonstrate what is the object or light's movement versus what might just be attributed to a hand shaking around. And, you know, you might think, well, I want to just zoom in on this thing and as much as possible, but often that is unfortunately not useful. These, uh, and Jack Bushong is, <laughs> if I would tell you uh, at length about that, um, that, you know, the cell phone cameras aren't built for telescopic, you know, filming. What you're going to get is a big blur. And it's more useful to have a drawn out image where you can actually tra- track the, the movement of whatever's going on with something else in the image to show, again, that the uh, um, movement is attributed to whatever it is that you're filming and not just the fact that you can't hold a, a, the camera straight or steady. Yeah. What about uh, other information such as uh, temperature, locate, like what, 
what else would you want uh, from somebody to be aware of to send the, to you guys? The exact time of the signing is ideal. Um, weather can be looked up. Um, the cloud cover can be looked up. Air traffic can be looked up. Um, the exact time, the exact, um, you know, a perception of distance, a perception of size is useful, length of time of the sighting, that sort of thing. But yeah, uh, really the exact time of the sighting um, is, allows us to fill in so much of the, the, the data on our side of it. Okay, perfect. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to cut this off where we're cutting it off. I see some people saying, don't go, don't go. <laughs> But, you know, we're at the two-hour mark, almost two hours and five minutes, because time flies when you're having fun. And uh, so we're just going to go ahead and get ready to go here. Um, if you want to send us any of your material, um, and we can forward it on to Bill and over to MUFON, if so need it, hit us up at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can find MUFON simply at mufon.com mufon.com and you can find bill's writings uh what over on amazon correct bill sure yeah i'm yep they're there yeah so you can find his books there the experiencer one and experiencer two i believe isn't there a subtitle or a, another part to yeah the, the first one is uh raised in two worlds and the second That's one is it. two world collide yeah okay so yeah, raised in two worlds and then when worlds collide. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And then the, right. other, the other thing besides exact time, if, if you are not at home to the best of your ability, the exact location, obviously. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> exact location, the best that you can get. Yes. All right. Well, Bill, it's been great as always. We love having you on the show and getting the latest information and, uh, having these chats with you and sharing things from our listeners and yes, thank you for coming on tonight. Yeah. All the new yeah, experiences and stuff. Absolutely. So most excellent. So Bill, we want to say thank you and we will talk soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again so much, everybody. Thank you. And um, hopefully we'll talk again very soon. Yep. Have okay. a good night. Take care. Okay. All right, Michelle. Whoo. What a night. It's been awesome. I love having Bill on. It's a great conversation every single time. So. so in great conversation in the chat tonight, everyone. Yeah. Chat. You guys were amazing. Thank you for the super chats, super stickers, great questions. PayPal, the questions, uh, ghost dragon becoming a member. Um, great photo from Janice that, yes. that ring, that colored ring around that craft and the, the details. Yep. And Janice, I'm going to send the original photo and the one that you did of a close-up. I'm going to send those right to Bill so he can get a closer look at that as well. And uh, Janice says, fantastic, Bill, and you guys. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we definitely love doing this for you guys. And uh, and it teaches us something every time we do one of these shows. And, and we just can't thank everybody enough who comes and watches and spends their Saturday nights with us. Tell everyone who is coming on with us next. Uh, we have Rob Switek from MUFON International. So it is the month of MUFON. It we is hit the, the month local, of MUFON. now we're going international. Yep. 
Um, that will be the 29th of September. So at the end of the month and be looking for a special show with Michelle and I, and maybe a surprise guest. Uh, I will be releasing a thumbnail about that maybe, uh, in the next week or two. So we got to see what our schedule looks like. So, uh, absolutely. Um, man, this has been great. So Ghost Dragon, thank you very much. Janice, thank you very much for coming on um, and sending that photo to us. Gary out there in Facebook land. Bob, who's out there, who sent us his uh, story. Um, we'll let you know if we hear anything from people in the area that remember the 2019. And Diane, she's like, I missed it. And there she is. You can never miss our show. You can never miss our show and watch it. You can always go back and watch it. It'll be saved up here forever. So, all right, everybody, we're kicking out of here. Michelle, have a great night, everyone. Yes. Have a great night, everybody. And remember, keep those eyes to that sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.